Welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. Discussing topics of personal growth, gathering stories of individuals embarked on the path to success, and most importantly, providing a platform for individuals that want to learn and grow. And now, here are your hosts, Jake Ingledew and John Mitchell. Do you have a property that is in rough condition, has tenant issues, or a project that never got finished? Then you need to contact Homelink Properties. This Springfield, Missouri-based company will give you a fair cash offer on your property, completely as is, the same day you reach out. If you're an investor, Homelink Properties can also put your house in front of hundreds of cash buyers so that you too can quickly sell your property. Give them a call today, 417 217- Two nine five zero seven two three. Hey, what's up, guys? In today's episode, you're going to hear from a man who had started a home inspection business and shares some tips and tricks on how you can start one and grow one too. And on top of that, he shares the purposes of a home inspection, why it's important, how to use them, leverage them. And uh, I think this episode is going to bring you a lot of value, especially if you want to start a home inspection business or you're interested or are investing in real estate. So stay tuned. All right. Welcome uh, today's guest. Super excited about today's guest, especially because um, I haven't told you this yet, but my brother just started a home inspection business out West in Oregon. And so he actually has a list of questions for me to ask you, but uh, okay. we're welcoming uh, Vince and it, you say it Tatone. Tantone. 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 Okay. Tantone. Vince Tantone with, uh, he owns method, um, home inspections and, uh, you kind of are a bit of an entrepreneur. He's done construction. He's had a window cleaning business. Uh, your business now method, uh, which you mm-hmm. do home inspections, but you had it uh, a different name before and you've rebranded. And Correct. so let's just tell your story. Let's dive right into it, man. Oh man. It's a long and varied story. So, um, you know, starting off when I was a kid, I was really interested in construction and architecture and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, after that, um, kind of as a teenager, I worked in, um, different kinds of construction. So I worked for a remodeling company. I did stuff like that just basically right out of school. And even as I was like in school, so I got the opportunity to buy the window washing business, um, just a kind of a fluke thing. And I was able to work off a lot of the payment on that. I didn't know anything about it and I learned how to do it and ended up selling that about a year later. So, um, that kind of, it went from there and then I went into construction. So I did so much different stuff, uh, framed houses in Springfield for a while with a crew of Amish guys that I picked up and, and brought up every day. Um, and then, oh gosh. Uh, built a church in Willow Springs for another company and then that kind of springboarded and I, I was I was at a uh, supplier one day um, when we were working on this other project and and I was talking to him and he's like man you should just start a construction company and I'm like dude I, I don't know anything about starting a company I don't know how to get customers he's like you need to just do it uh-huh. you, you know how to do the stuff you're good with people just do it and don't worry about the customers. And I said, um, okay. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> that, that's awesome. I, I love that because John and I, we've talked about this all the time. Like a lot of people are like, they yep. think they, I think there's, it's good to do some, an, an, you know, analysis Analyzing, and some yeah. research yeah. and stuff. For sure. But dude, at some point, just, just do it and you'll yeah. learn as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, um, I just finished listening to uh, Grant Cardone's 10X Mentor on uh, audiobook. Uh-huh. And one of the things he always talks about, like all through that book is, uh, take action, massive action, massive action, just do something, do something and then figure it out. And that's literally what I did. That's the, it it almost jump starts your learning curve. Like if you just do it because you're going to make mistakes along the way and it's going to like supercharge that learning. At that point, did you have any business background at all? No, no, no business God, background. No. Uh, at that point, I, I believe I was probably about 23 then. Okay. So it would have been about 2003 ish. Um, when I, when I got into that and I actually on that, that big church job that we were working on, I failed to mention that I was, I got fired that day from that job. Um, 
because I asked for more money because I was the only guy on the crew that knew how to read blueprints and, and what was going on. Uh-huh. And, uh, he's like, no, get out of here. So how'd you get into that right out of high school? I mean, did you, uh, did you go into construction right out of school? Yeah. yeah. How, what, what got you in the door there? Um, so my first, uh, my first real like job where I got paid to go do something I actually saw an advertisement in a newspaper. Uh, this was before Craigslist or anything. You know? <laughs> so, uh, and it said, um, I have some dead field trees on my farm. I need them cut down and hauled off. And I was like, I've got a pickup truck and a chainsaw. <laughs> so I went down there and, and gave the guy a price and that he was good friends with a remodeler. Okay. And so that he was like, this guy works really hard you know and and that so that led into that job and that's kind of how i started and then just everywhere i go i just meet people so that's <laughs> awesome well and that's and that in fact that's how we met so we went to a yeah. real estate meetup and uh you and i got to talking and yeah. he, he vince is a go-getter man he's just like hey can i come on your podcast? he pretty you pretty much are like get <laughs> yeah. me on your podcast i'm like all right let's get you on the podcast hey, man yeah let's so make I, love it. I love it when people take action yeah. i'm curious did you like remodeling or new construction better um, oh boy, that's a tough one. I, I always liked the remodeling thing. Um, I like doing new construction, but what I really like about remodeling is I can see the potential in a property. And, and a lot of people struggle with that. Like, oh, I don't know if I can make this happen in this space. Right. So I'm working on a huge remodel from, for our own house in Nixa right now. And when I walked into the space, I'm like, this could be a really great space. And I talked to half a dozen contractors and they're like, uh, you can't do that. And I was like, yeah, you can. <laughs> and, and so, so it was like, that's kind of my thing. Right. And so it works really good for me. So I like it. That's, that's what I love most. Yeah. I don't know if Jake told you, but that's what I do full time. And, yeah. and we just took out, we, I bought a house over in South Springfield and, uh, I think we took out 22 foot of load bearing wall right over a staircase. Nice. And, Jake, you haven't seen it recently, have you? You showed me a picture. Opened it up a ton. Oh, yeah. dude, it looks so good. But yeah. yeah, that's how I am too. I'm I'm totally a visionary. I can see it right as soon as I walk in. I can I can see the a, a diamond in the rough. Right. Yeah. That, and that's my thing too. It's when you can walk in and you can see so much potential in a home. And then what one of the big problems I have doing? Of course, we inspect so many houses sure. every year, and you get in these houses and you're like, oh man, especially flips. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh man, they could have done so much with this space, uh-huh. and they just you know slap some paint on it. It's like, yeah, oh, well, you know, everybody's got a different method. But so, how did you get into the home inspection business? Uh, totally by accident. <laughs> it's, again, this is how I do everything. I think we're building a theme here. Um, so I was actually. So kind of fast forward, um, crash in 08. Um, at that time I owned my construction company, of course, still, um, things started to taper off where we lived and, um, but we were doing a lot of agricultural buildings, farm, you know, uh, hay barns and, and shop buildings for people. And so it, when the housing market crashed here in Springfield, um, we didn't really see that crash because the price of beef and the price of milk were great at that time. Mm-hmm. And so things were doing really good. And I'm like, man, maybe we're going to miss this. And so in 2011, it was like somebody shut the tap off. Mm. I mean, it went from we're busy to we've got nothing. I had, I think, six guys at that point on my crew. And I literally, I lost money on the last job that we did. Um, and so that's when I moved up to Springfield and got into commercial construction. So did several years of that project management supervision for commercial stuff. Um, and that again, completely by accident, I bid on a commercial job. I did this job down at MSU in West Plains and they're like, Hey, you want to come up and work for us? And so that's how I ended up up here. And I'm like, well, I don't have anything else to do right now. Wow. And, and I, at that time I was like, everything's crashing. I'm like, maybe I just need to work for somebody else you know, and boy, that didn't last. How was that, how, how was that going from being self-employed back to a W-2? So I had never up to that point had a W-2 paycheck okay. in my life. So I had no idea. <laughs> um, you, know, you didn't know how bad it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, so and that, that was my thing. I like, I was at that time, what about 
30 years old mm-hmm. and I had never known anything else. And I thought, well, you know, and I see all these other people that, you know, had a moderate level of success with a W2. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this is the thing mm-hmm. and I don't have all these concerns and worries anymore. And, uh, it just, you know, I don't think, I don't think you can get it out of your blood, uh-huh. you know, yeah. It, yeah. once you've done it, it's like, okay, this yeah. is where I belong. Yep. Um, so I, I only did that till 2013, 2014, I guess. Yeah. And then I, I did a brief stint in the oil field in West Texas, um, because somebody again called me up and said, Hey, they're hiring West Texas, really good money. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I had friends that were oil field guys yeah. and they made really good money. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, well, you know, maybe it's better than this. Um, because one of the things a lot of people don't talk about is, and, and I, it may be a little different now, but in this area, like cap out pay for a project manager for commercial construction sucks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's, this is capping out. Uh, you know, I was up there pretty close and I'm like, I, I just don't, I'm not going to deal with this kind of stress on a salary yeah. 80 hours a week. Cause I work hard at everything I do. So I wasn't going to deal with that level of stress and that level of work on a salary for what they were willing to pay. Sure. Yeah. And so that's what kind of springboarded that. Well, um, let's see, it would have been about May, February. Yeah. It was February or March probably of 2015. So like a year later, uh-huh. oil prices tanked, went to 20 bucks a barrel. They took, they laid off everybody on my rig and they cut it up for scrap. <laughs> so wow. oh that's gosh. how bad it was. That's crazy. So I ended up back here again, not knowing what I was going to do, looking for something to do. Um, kind of got on doing some project management for another construction company, a residential builder. And several people called me and they're like, Hey, would you inspect a house? I'm buying this house. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, so I just went and did it for free for several people. And it's just people that knew me and they uh-huh. knew I knew a lot of stuff and, and they're like, you know, would you do this? So then I'm like, man, there has got to be a better way. You know, this, this sucks. Cause I, I found a checklist like on the internet and downloaded uh-huh. it and I was just going <laughs> through it. I'm like, there's gotta be a better way to organize this. So I started researching and I was like, Oh man, there's people that are actually like making money doing sure. this, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, that's 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 how I ended up doing it. Uh, let's talk about let's more go dive into the business side of things. Sure. Let's talk about like what a home inspection is. What are some things you look for? Yeah. You know why it's important to have a home inspector, or why um, you know uh, for whether it's a real estate investor or somebody buying their primary home, and then we'll dive into some of the business stuff. Okay. Um, so, you know, home inspection, of course, the state of Missouri has no licensure for home inspectors. So it's, it's just a little bit kind of the wild west. Um, the only thing we license here is septics and and termite inspections. So you gotta be licensed to do those two things. But other than that, um, just anybody can print a business card. So number one, of course, I tell people this unreal. Yeah. That's why they all come back funky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is no standard. Oh my gosh. And, and of course, something, another thing is licensing doesn't really solve the problem. Right. Yeah. And, and that, which is it unfortunate. doesn't mean you're good at being a home inspector. Yeah. You yeah. know, I know people from licensed states and they're like, man, it is no different here. Yeah. It, it is just, you did, you fulfilled the minimum requirements. Good luck. Yeah. You know, and so unfortunately, I, I think there's going to be a big switch. Um, you know, home inspectors always used to be a guy in a truck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of like handymen. Uh, there's going to be a big switch in the next five to 10 years. Um, we're going to see, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years, we're going to see a big switch to more of a corporate structure for these businesses. Um, and I'm trying to be ahead of that. I know there's several other guys out mm-hmm. there that are really trying to do that as well. Um, because quality control. Yeah. Because me, you know, I've got two full-time inspectors right now. Uh, I want to double that. Um, being being able to be the business owner and have that quality control is huge. Um, and there's no other great way to have quality control on a large scale yeah. than, than to kind of make that structure. So, so anyway, back to what is a home inspection? Um, it is kind of a top to bottom snapshot of the house, right? So we go through, we're going to look at the roof, the exterior doors, windows, siding, um, the foundation, um, and even like how, 
the uh, ground is sloped around the house because that's a big thing. Water in a house, you guys have worked on houses, you know, yep. water is probably the number one destructive force in a home. Yep. So we're looking for any way water can get in, cause mold, cause damage to the foundation, anything like that. That's a huge thing. So we're always looking for that, looking for plumbing leaks. Of course, we're going to crawl the crawl space and, mm-hmm. and do that stuff. And then all the major uh, components of the home, so HVAC, electrical, plumbing. Uh, so we're going to test all the fixtures. We're going to open up the electrical panel and see what somebody screwed up in there. Um, and if you follow my Instagram, you will see that there's plenty. Yeah, uh, it, I'll have to start following you. Yeah, Check yeah. You, if you haven't been on my Instagram, you got to get on there. It's it's something to see. Some of the stuff we see <laughs> is, man, and it's crazy it really is i believe it i've I've got a question that's kind of off from the side but i've i've flipped a couple houses i have like super tiny crawl spaces like you know you walk up to and it's like under a foot it's got to be under a foot what do you do when you can't get in a crawl space like that so um we do the best we can um if if it's accessible we're getting in it pretty much but there's a lot that aren't like you said and so um i actually have a camera pole um, and we can actually kind of shove a camera down in there and sometimes get some pictures of stuff that way i've heard Um, people using like little remote control cars that they drive up underneath there with lights and cameras and stuff yeah there's several decent crawl bots on the market um they are expensive they're about three grand and up um so uh it's kind of a two-edged sword um with that uh-huh. and i've never bought one i've thought about it it's kind uh-huh. of like drones for inspections it's yeah. just not as good um as getting physical eyes on it yeah yeah and so i don't want to what i don't want to do is end up with guys like ah, i don't feel like going in the crawl space today and, and just right. sending the bot down yeah. there and, yeah. um so and the expense of having multiples of those i just don't know that it really pays off for the few times that you could actually use it um yeah but it, but it is tough, you know, and you know, we just try to get as much information as possible on those type of houses and say, look, we can see 90% of the time you've got moisture problems. If it's that small, you've got mold problems. You're going to know that immediately just by looking in there. Um, so we're going to have run water before we look at that crawl space and we're going to look in there and see if we got any drips and happening yeah. and stuff. So we know if there's leakage, um, so yeah, and then the camera pole and do the best we can. It's, gotcha. It's kind of tough. Yeah. I just, we're just messed with a house that was just like that. And the foundation was like one of those old rock ones that they like, I don't know how to explain it. Like it was formed, but it had like, I don't know. It was like, it was like from the early 1900s. So yeah. it was like little tiny pebbles and you could see all the pebbles. Like, uh, through, yeah. you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. man, that house was a piece of junk. <laughs> so we're going to go to a quick break and Good. then we'll, uh, we'll start this back up. Okay. So, uh, the question that I had for you was, um, what's your thoughts on getting like a pre-inspection done? So like when we flip a house, what would be the advantages of getting a pre-inspection versus having that house under contract and then the buyer's getting the, the inspection. Yeah. So, um, this is something I talk about all the time. Um, I've actually been doing just recently, uh, TikToks on, on this exact subject and putting stuff on Instagram. And I'm really trying to, to tell people about this because I think it's a better way. I think the way that we do it is backwards. So, if we were doing a pre-listing inspection on a home, um, number one, the the seller in most cases, um, sometimes the real estate agent on the seller side would get that pre-inspection, call us up, have us do it. Um, so we're going to go through, do the same inspection that we would do normally, um, except there's there's advantages for all the parties involved. So starting with the buyer, you think the first the first response I get back from potential buyers is, oh, I don't want to do a pre-inspected home. I want to have my own inspection. Mm -hmm. And my question to that is why? Do you think as an inspection company owner that I would intentionally skip things or miss things just to make a seller happy? No way. I can't do that. I wouldn't be in business. I wouldn't last Mm -hmm. any time. Um, Number one, I don't want that kind of liability. And uh, number two, the last thing any home inspection company wants is another home inspection Uh company coming in and finding stuff they missed. Which you probably get, uh, we don't really talk about this much because I hate to say it, but some agents can be kind of snaky. And a lot of times they they try to be like, well, come on, man, just like, can you get this thing pushed through? I just need to get this thing. 
like I've seen it even with pest control. Yeah, yeah. Owning a pest control business and doing, uh, you know, termite inspections and stuff. Yep. They're like, oh, I just, I just need to push through, man. Just like you know. Yep. So, um, those agents hate us. Yeah. Uh, because because I I just don't bend. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I have a structure for the business, and um, I have a huge long term goal with this business, and so I'm doing business how I want to do it and mm-hmm. how I think is right. And I can't change that for anybody. And so, so yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's going to be the same inspection when it's from us, yeah. you know, and I know there's other guys in town that are like that too. They're, they're not going to skip stuff right. just to make a seller happy. No way. Yeah. You know, cause now of course there's always somebody that's going to do it right. You know, there's always that guy out there. So if you if you see a pre-inspected home, do your research, make sure that it's a reputable company. But if yeah. it is, man, go for it yeah. because it's going to save you anywhere between three hundred and fifty and a thousand bucks on inspection costs as a buyer. Um, for the seller, it's going to save them a ton of money too. Okay, they're going to spend you know three hundred and fifty to a thousand dollars depending on what services they need, but they now control the timeline of repairs. That is huge. You guys have been in the construction world. You know that anytime you tell a contractor, I need this and I need it now, the price is going to go mm-hmm. up. It's got to because he's going to have to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so you don't have a chance when you're doing a, a buyer's inspection. That seller doesn't have the chance to get multiple offers or multiple um, bids in most cases because they've got a timeline. they got to get this done in 20 or 30 days in a lot of cases. Um, so getting a bid getting the contractor on site and getting that work done is much more difficult and much more expensive than if they had the time to control um, that timeline of those right, repairs. Right. So they could save a ton of money there. Um, and then they could choose good contractors. Sometimes you just run out of choices when you're on this timeline. And, and so that's just, it's not a good deal for anybody. And then the other thing is the agents. I mean, it would be a huge advantage for agents and they don't realize this because we've done the same thing the same way for so long. It's, it's hard to change a routine, right? Yeah. You know, so they're not thinking about this because we got a routine. We, it, it works, you know? Um, so what they don't realize is maybe it doesn't work the best. Yeah. And, and if you're not thinking about that, so you have to negotiate an original contract, then you get a buyer's inspection and then we got to start from scratch. Yeah. You know, now we're doing an inspection repair addendum, you know, and that can, we, we may have to go back and forth three or four or five times on that till we get it right. You know, not all the time. Sometimes it's just one and done, but, uh-huh. but any agent that's been around it knows you're going to have to go back usually a couple of times to get the agreed upon repairs and how many deals fall apart during that period mm-hmm. uh, of, I, I was actually talking to another agent about this the other day. Um, and he mentioned that I think out of six fall aparts he's had this year, five of them were over inspection issues. Mm. Wow. Um, and, and this is a good agent, so it's not like he's dropping the ball and he's letting this stuff fall apart. It's just, you know, we find mold. And you got a buyer who's they're, they're like, can't live in this house. Yeah. Um, they would have known that up front or seen, oh, there was mold, it's been remediated, not a problem anymore. I can make an offer on this house. So they can make an offer based on all the knowledge instead of half the knowledge. Right. Uh, it's just a better deal all around, I think. Yeah, so, I agree. Would you do the same thing for rentals, like in, in your situation? Like if you were, do people typically do like a pre-inspection for rentals at all? Or like a make-ready inspection? Before they rent it, you Yeah. Mean? Yeah, so that's one thing. I, I've, I've been pitching to a few property managers and trying to get in is like a move-in, move-out. Yeah. Like a quick, you know, just set up a certain number of points that we hit we document with photos and videos any damage that we find any issues that need to be repaired um and then you have that document that you can hand to that renter when that tenant when they move in and say here here's what we found here's what we repaired you know sign this and and you know agree to this and then we can do the next time when they move out do the same thing again be like "Hmm, hey you know you kicked a hole through the door right you know yeah and you Clearly, it's not really a that, half bad idea. That yeah, might be yeah. an awesome opportunity for you too, as a business owner. Yeah, and that's so I've kind of been trying to pitch that because I think it is a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a kind of a business model there to help me and to help you know property owners yeah. like that, where we could just kind of knock all that stuff down for them 
and hopefully save them some money in the long term. Now, have you thought about building another side of that business and having somebody that does the repairs that you find? Um, so yes and no. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm not interested in, in that specifically. Um, I do have some stuff uh, kind of in the works, uh, but not specifically a repair company, um, just more specialized stuff. Gotcha. I, I'm not going to say on the air right now, yeah, but no uh, but yeah, I've got some ideas for what I'm going to do that, that are kind of extra services that attach to that. Because nice. again, you know, we see what near a thousand people a year. Yeah. So I'm like, we need to be we need to be talking to these folks near a thousand home inspections a year. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, my goal is to double that in the next 12 months. I don't know if I can do it, but it's a goal. So that's awesome. I like it. Let's, let's start diving into the business side of stuff. So, and and I'm going to tailor this towards, you know, I told you my brother started a home inspection business out in Oregon. Um, so I'm going to ask some of the questions that I think might be going through his, some of uh, his mind. Sure. Uh, how do, how do you approach agents? Like you're just getting started out, right? One of the best mm-hmm. ways probably to get started is start networking with agents. How do you approach agents? How do you get your name out there? How do you start building this business? So I'm not a good salesman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll just have to say that, and that's one of the things I'm trying to learn is like to be a better salesman mm-hmm. um, and, and to be better at that and be more um, uh, intentional mm-hmm. with that. Uh, so, I'm kind of the soft sale guy. Um, I just, I just make myself known. Mm-hmm. Uh, just everywhere I go, I, I'm just always out there, always networking, always meeting yeah. people, um, always rocking the company that, polo. Yeah, you know, just letting people yeah. know this is this yeah. is what I do. Right, everywhere I go. So, so I don't think. I don't think I've ever actually like, you know, you hear people all the time in, in the home inspection industry, they're like, go out to open houses, um, candy bowls in, in real estate offices. I have never done any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, my number one thing is anybody in my sphere that was an agent at the time, um, I just like threw, threw out a soft intro like, Hey, I'm doing this now. And you know, like I said, when I got into it, I had already had a couple people ask me. So it was already a thing. I was like, okay, Hey, and when I started this in Springfield, there were like six companies. Yeah. Like there was, there's like 50 now. Yeah. Um, so it was much different. Um, so I just started getting out and just beating the street networking, just being at networking events all over the city. I mean, I went to a lot of cocktail mixers. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I that's what I did. That was like my job for the yeah. first two years, just yeah. getting out there and meeting people, meeting people, meeting people. And I never really pitched, like hard pitched the business. I just went out there and met people. And then I, I was working in the background on my product. Mm-hmm. So when I started putting now our inspection report from, you know, six years ago was nothing like today's report. But it was still right up there with what was being done here and better than a lot of what people were doing. What kind of uh, software um, are you using to be able to like manage those leads yep. and do those inspections and things like that? Yeah, so I use a, uh, a software out of Colorado, out of Denver, called Spectora. Uh-huh. Um, and arguably, probably the best software out there right now. Um, it is expensive, but it's well worth it. Really? Um, so it's kind of its own little CRM. It manages the clients. It manages the payment. Would you re- and everything recommend at starting out? Like you know, if you're just starting out, you're only maybe getting one, two inspections a week. Mm-hmm. Just maybe not worry about that yet until you start building up some cash flow from the business to get into a software like that. So. I am a business systems guy. Mm-hmm. That is like what I focus on. So no, I spend the money. Yeah, spend the money. It is it is so worth it to to be able to control the customer experience. Yeah, yep. It's just because everything with a, with an inspection report, you people have got to get out of the thought process that that an inspection is a service. Uh-huh. It is not a service. We don't provide a service. We're not yeah. fixing anything. It is a product company. The home inspection report is the product that you're selling. Yeah. So if you don't have a good product to sell, uh-huh. if you can't create a good customer experience, because most of the time we do not meet the people who we are selling to, Right. we've got to treat this like a product. Yeah. And so when you do that, when you focus on the product, 
the sales will come. That's interesting because I, I, I had totally thought of it as a service-based business, yeah, but now I can, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can totally see that. That's interesting. Uh, and get on any home inspection forum on Facebook uh-huh. and mention that you're selling a product, not a service, and you will be burnt to a crisp. Yeah, they're like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> you don't know anything about this. If you think this is a product, you're crazy. Yes, sir. <laughs> so uh, what? how do you, and I think I already kind of know the answer because we kind of briefly touched on this. How do you deal, like keep a good balance between like pleasing the real estate agent that's this, uh, maybe on the seller side and then the buyer and not keep being the deal killer um, so that you're still getting business. Everybody's kind of happy with the, the whole situation. Yeah, so um, another thing that's missed, I think, many times in home inspection is, um, in, with home inspection companies, is the, again, treating it like a product and the delivery. So I can tell you that you have a massive mold problem without saying, run, run away, burn the house down. Mm. Okay, um, so the way that we do our inspection reports is we're very clear. We take tons of pictures. Um, we take video, um, so it's an interactive report. They can look through. They can look at the 20 pictures that we took of the massive mold problem, but we just are very clear about what the issue is. Here's the problem. You need to contact XYZ person to get this remediated. Um, get a second opinion. Let's get it fixed. So we approach it from the idea, look, I. it's a very emotional process to buy a house for a a person buying their residence, right? You know, so it's a very emotional process. So I want to take the emotion out of it from my end, but I also want to work with the person who's buying and work with their emotion. And so in order to do that, when you're delivering the product correctly and you already understand that the people have fallen in love with this home, you don't know why, Mm -hmm. and you're not there to figure out that. You know, so they want to buy this home. So we're there to, to figure out what they need to fix and what solutions they need to be in order to, purchase, to be able to do that. Purchase the home. Because yeah. it's what they want to do already. Right. So I'm not trying to change that. I'm just trying to help them through the process. Right. And, and so I think that's missed by a lot of, it's easy for a home inspector to get tunnel vision on the problem. Yeah. And so finding the solution is, is yeah. hard. So be a problem solver, not like yep. not a criticizer. Yeah, not maximizing Ex- the problem and making it bigger than what it really needs to be. Exactly. So and and it is um, kind of so a person who tends towards home inspections tends a lot of times to be a very analytical and critical type of person because that's a good personality for the job, uh-huh. right? But you got to get out of that when you present it to the client. Gotcha. And so I think that's the hardest transition to make for people. Um, that's one of the things that that I train real hard on when I hire a new guy. Is like, hey, look, here's here's how we present. I want you to pay distinct attention to how I present this to the client because this is one of the most important parts of your job. Gotcha. So, what do you wish you would have focused on more to help grow your business in the earlier stages? I know you said networking is important, mm-hmm. um, and I think we all agree that networking is super important. But what are some other things that you would have done or that maybe you already did do that you were like, yeah, I would do that again. Um, if I had it to do over again, hmm. um, if I was going into a new market, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, knowing what I know, the first thing I would do is I would already have a good marketing agency involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I ignored marketing in a, in a traditional sense right. for years, and we're doing a lot of marketing now. Um, so that's kind of new. And are you so, really doing like, are you focusing on like social media? You're talking about Google, you know, Google ads, Google. Yeah. So I'm trying a bunch of different stuff right mm-hmm. now. Um, you know what Grant says, take massive action. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I had a plan laid out uh-huh. and I looked at it and I'm like, this is a lot of stuff and it's expensive. Let's double it. So I'm freaking out a little bit right now. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk after the podcast about some marketing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've been really trying to increase my social media presence. We've always had a pretty good following on Facebook and Instagram and we've uh-huh. had good interaction there and we've never marketed on those platforms. Of course, that's more of the soft market thing. Yeah. Like we're just keeping people engaged. Yeah. Right. 
Um, and so that's what I'm on all of the platforms now. And I'm trying to, to grow that presence and be, you know, just more of a, more of a company there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm working on all the angles on that, but I would definitely have all this stuff. Like we were just talking about with the software. Would you do the software from the beginning? Yeah. I would do all this stuff from the beginning. Yeah. If I had it to do over again, you're probably like, I have a feeling you're like me and John, we're like balls of the wall. We're just like, just do it. Get yeah. the best and things from the get go. So you don't have to do any transitioning stuff. You're already right. learning the software, learn it when it's easier to figure it out. Cause yep. you're having less clients and then just go. Yep. Yep. And, and you don't have the time once you're going to, to do the changes that you need to do to jack with the admin stuff. Right. Yeah. You got to have that stuff, put the systems in place now, yep. do yep. it now because it's not going to be easier later. You're speaking our love language, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, so, uh, my brother actually had wanted me to ask you this question. I think it's a yep. pretty good question. Okay. He, he, uh, said after you get established and you start making some pretty good income, what are some tools that would be best or some services that would be best to start providing that you would recommend. So, excuse me, if I would have known how many damaged sewer pipes there were in any given city at any given time, I would have started sewer scoping from day one. Mm. I had no idea. We started sewer scoping in January and I had no idea that there were so many tree roots and so many damaged sewer pipes in this city. Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at John. He's looking really ticked off yeah. to it. <laughs> it's been like a constant thing for the past two months. And yeah. one of them was on an Airbnb I have on Sunshine. And, dude, they had to dig up Sunshine Street. Oh, my goodness. But the city cheap. utilities did hit it with a backhoe, I guess, like two years ago. So they paid for it. Oh. But, okay. I mean, and then I had another one that had a root ball in it yep. you know that we had to pull that out but man dude i feel you there 100 <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm just looking back and going oh my goodness i mean it, it is amazing i bet 80 percent of the scopes that we're doing right now we find some kind of damage in pipe and now is that like so um i guess i'm not familiar how you would package your your services together is that an, an additional cost you're like hey mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we can do this for you and find out whether the, the lines are good but it's going to cost this much extra yeah so um so yeah. what i do the way that i do it and there's different ways to do it is i have the home inspection as the primary mm-hmm. um, we add on termite inspection almost every time somebody wants a termite yeah. inspection done um you know so we do that and then we have the add-ons like radon testing uh, sewer scoping um, mold testing asbestos lead all the stuff gotcha. uh, sewer um not sewer but septic inspections and then I also do uh, locating and excavating on septic tanks as well for if, people. If so. someone's just getting started, what would be like, obviously the main home, right? Main the, home, the, yeah. The main home, that's, but the, that's kind of probably the, the, the bulk of the business. But yeah. if they were to pick only like a couple things to focus on, like maybe they don't have the skills in, whether it's learning it or getting certified or, or yeah. whatever, what would you recommend? I, I would be on the, the radon testing and the sewer scoping right away. Okay. Those would be my main things. Um, just because you can learn them relatively easily. Okay. Um, it's not a lot of extra technical because a sewer scope, I mean, you're running a camera down the pipe. You've got mm-hmm. to kind of know what to look for right. for damage and different things. But um, you can add that on pretty easily as an extra service. And, and that's a, it's extra revenue. It's good. You're there. Yeah. You can help that client a little bit more. Um, and then the radon is kind of the same way. Again, from the beginning by good continuous radon monitors get those out there they have a lot more functionality than cheap junk or doing it with a charcoal canister mm-hmm. does um so and that's an extra you know service that you can do for people gotcha um it and it depends on the area too um this area was very difficult in the beginning to get people to buy a radon test they're like radon's made up you can't see it or you know and it doesn't hurt you right now uh-huh. like what are the side effects of radon well it doesn't have any well i don't want that test then <laughs> like well yeah but it'll kill you in 20 years ah, i don't care about that is radon <laughs> like like in the crawl space like decaying bugs and wood and stuff uh, no so actually radon is um it is the natural decay process of uranium in the soil um so uranium is obviously a solid okay um it it decays, turns to radium, um, and then through a process um, turns into radon, which is the first time it goes from a solid to a gas. Mm. Um, when it turns to a gas, um, it then can be breathed in, of course. So it's still decaying um, radioactive particles. Mm-hmm. 
So what happens is that decay is happening inside your lungs when you breathe it in. If you breathe it in in high amounts, it's shooting off those little radioactive particles. They get stuck in your lung tissue. Um, it's the second leading cause of lung cancer in the United States next to cigarettes. So when you remediate that, what, yeah. is, what is actually happening? Are you removing the, the uranium or like, I don't understand. I guess I don't know the process of how that works. Yeah. So, um, the, the remediation is really pretty simple. So radon breaks down very quickly in mm -hmm. the air. So what you're doing is keeping the concentrated level out of the house. That's the goal. Mm. So there's always a little bit of radon in the outside air. Uh -huh. um, so what you're doing is basically in a crawl space home, they're going to put a really heavy vapor barrier type, you know, plastic material or something mm. down there. Um, they're going to put some perforated pipes under there. They're going to hook that to a vent system. And they're going to go outside with it, um, typically with a continuous running fan. Um, and they're going to vent that outside. Once it gets in the outside air, it breaks gotcha. down really quickly. So you're just keeping that high concentration from happening because the house is a big empty box. And when you have temperature differentials from the exterior to the interior, sometimes that box sucks soil gas into the gotcha. house. Okay. Um, and so, so that's how it works. Yeah. Gotcha. So I have, I have two questions since we all seem to be systems and processes guys. Yeah. What's your process for a normal inspection, like the routine of it? Mm-hmm. And then my next question is, is how did you know when it was the right time to hire the other inspector? Okay. Um, so first off my process, so I kind of, I kind of balance, um, balance the workflow and the way the report reads. Um, and that's kind of a tough balance to find. Mm. Um, so knowing how the report needs to be laid out to be easy to read for the customer and then balancing that with my workflow. And that's kind of how I developed my process. And then I've got hundreds of hours in writing the template for that. Mm. So it's all app based. Um, and I write all of the commentary in there. So it's pre-done. So when the guys go through, they can just, they can pick just click that the box or whatever. And then take the picture of the defect. That's nice. awesome. So, so creating that, uh, like I said, I've literally got hundreds of hours sitting in front of the computer, just creating that. Um, and I base that on hundreds of phone calls and questions I've got from clients over the years, right? So if I get a call three or four times with the same question, I'm like, I'm answering that question in the report. Yeah. Because I'm going to save them time. I'm going to save me time, time. And that's yeah. just building that process, right? So the the, the actual on-site process for us, typically, um, unless it's raining or something or snowing, uh, typically that's going to start on the roof. Um, we're going to move to the exterior, take care of that stuff. And then we're going to move most houses. Of course, in this area, we have a lot of the same styles of homes. Uh -huh. So it makes it kind of easy. We move into that garage area. That's going to have your mechanical closet. That's going to have your electrical. So we can be inspecting all the stuff in that area. Um, while we got the heater running, we, we're testing it because right. we're going to run it for 10, 10 to 15 minutes to make sure that we don't have any short cycling happening or anything like that. So we're doing all that stuff at once, kind of all that mechanical stuff, doing the garage, get up in the attic. Usually the access is in the garage, um, you know, checking insulation structure and looking for leakage. And then we move through the interior and just kind of, I try to do it in a, I think of it as a circle, yeah. moving, moving through the house in a circle. Yeah. So, and and you develop processes and steps to make sure you don't miss stuff. So like when I go into a bedroom, I shut the door behind me because I know I've tested the door, I've tested the lock. Mm. And the last thing I do when I leave that room is I open the door. Yeah. So okay. um, you would be amazed when you've been through hundreds and hundreds of houses, you walk in a room, leave the door open, do the inspection. You're like, crap, did I test that door? Mm. And then you're testing it again. Yeah. So um, typically if there's, um, if it's not gonna bother anybody or if there's no one home, I'm gonna go in and turn on every light in the house. Um, and then as I leave those rooms, I'm turning the lights off so I know so where I've been. So you know been. you've been, yeah. If you get in an 8,000 square foot house and think that you're gonna remember where you've been, you're wrong. Yeah. Cause you're gonna go and, oh man, did I, did I go in there? Was I in this bedroom? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. You have no clue. So, so keeping that process and then training guys for that process is super important. So is it almost kind of like a top down from the outside and then mm -hmm. inside in circular motion? Yep. That's kind of how I, I like do that. It. That's yeah. a good flow. Do you, do you guys inspect pools too? Like, uh, I don't really. Yeah. Is there a service for that? Oh yeah, absolutely. If, if I was in an area like uh, say I was in Dallas or if I was anywhere Arizona. in Florida, Arizona, <laughs> yeah. Places where they have a lot of pools, I would definitely be in it mm -hmm. for sure. No doubt about it. Um, Springfield, we have so few, um, yeah. in, in the real scope of things. I mean, 
we maybe inspect four houses a year that have a pool. Wow. Yeah. So would we get some extra pool business if we did that service? Yeah, but I just don't think it's worth the, the investment of time. Cost is not, yeah. 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 So for me in this area, I don't think it's worth it. Right. Gotcha. So um, let's talk a little bit more about when you knew the right time to hire another inspector. Or was that even your first hire? Yeah. Um, so that, uh, boy, that was a really tough one. Yeah. I mean, it was really tough. I should have, I should have hired a year ahead of when I did maybe a year and a half. Um, I worked the last year that I worked myself would have been 2019. So I, I'm, I'm nuts. Like I, I, I'm just not, and, and I'm not very smart. <laughs> That's what I always <laughs> you'll, say. You'll learn this. Um, I'm not very smart. So what I did, so I was one of the first home inspection. I think I was the first home inspection company in Springfield to do online booking. Mm. Uh, when I did it and I started telling people, everybody's like, That's nuts. That's never going to work. Nobody's going to do it. It blew up overnight. Like people were booking at 10 p.m., one in the morning. They're booking because realtors have crazy schedules. Yeah. And so they're just like, I got this under contract, book. Yep. And so that really kind of catapulted us. Yeah. That's and, awesome. And it kind of left everybody else like, oh, crap, I guess this does work. And so so that, that caused this growth. And, and I say all this to say the systems and processes and things like that that I automated ahead of time saved me. Yeah. Because there is no way I could have done the volume. I think in 2019, I did like 600 inspections. Wow. By myself. That's crazy. And had no office help. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's rough, man. I, I answered every phone call. I took every email. And if, you know, if I, if I dropped an email or a phone call in there, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but it was nuts. Yeah. I, uh, I want to ask you this, since yeah. you're saying that. That's a, that's a ton to do yeah. by yourself. I mean, that's too what two a day a little more, under more than or two. more yeah, yeah more than two a day did you sacrifice do you do you feel like you sacrificed any quality by trying to do it all yourself doing the inspection doing the report in the office do you feel like you sacrificed any quality by trying to handle that yourself no gotcha um because i had those systems in place gotcha it was a insane amount of work mm-hmm um, but I don't feel like there was ever a point where I was like, damn, I didn't do a very good inspection. Um, most, the statistics are that most home inspectors, and I forget the exact number, um, of home inspectors that get sued in the first five years for missing something major. Wow. Um, and, and most of those are due to structural problems. Um, uh, you know, to this day, I've never had anybody bring or even threaten to bring a suit against me, which I'm very thankful for. Yeah. I yeah. have a, a very, uh, men, one of my mentors that's a very successful business guy, he says, you haven't been in business till you've been sued. Yeah. <laughs> I must not have been in business yet because I haven't been sued yet, but I'm like, so, let's yeah. not let that happen to any right. of us. <laughs> I know. And, and, and we work every day. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that we work towards is making sure that we're hitting every point every time yeah. so that, well, number one, it's good customer experience um, and, and we don't want to be sued, but the quality, uh, the, yeah. the quality, I mean, putting out the good product for the client is the number one goal. And if you're doing that, they don't have a reason to sue you. Yeah, so exactly. So no, I, I don't feel like, you know, it was hard. I mean, there were a lot of days there, the summer of 2019, I didn't see my house in the daylight. Wow. Yeah. Like I didn't even know what it looked like. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's definitely, yeah. You probably worked your tail off. And I man. think a lot of entrepreneurs starting out struggle with that. Yeah. Um, and they struggle with the first hire cause they think, you yep. know, like, well, they're going to jack it up. They're not going to do as good as I did. And hey, there's yeah. a lot of like fear with that first hire. Yeah. And, and that's the number one complaint that you hear from real estate agents is man, they were a good company until they hired another guy. Yeah. And then it's just not consistent anymore. And you never know what report you're going to get. And so my goal as I grew was to create the system that that never happens. Right. So that you had a checklist process like, hey, this is what you're going to follow. If you don't do it this way, you're not going to be a part of my team. Pretty right. much. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. And so so when I hired my first guy, um, it was so I interviewed him, I think, in January or February of 20. Um, 
And as you guys well know, that was right before COVID lockdowns. Mm. So I had agreed to hire him. He was working um, at another job. Um, like days later, they locked Springfield down or in whatever version of a lockdown that was. And I was like, oh, crap, we're not going to have any work. We're going to be sitting here on our hands. So I called him up. I'm like, dude, just hang out where you are. Let's see what happens. Uh, boy, that was a mistake because things got crazy. Yeah. And we never we never slowed down. We got busier than we ever been. And so it took me like two months of that uh-huh. to realize this isn't going to stop. I need to hire now. Yeah. And so I was three months behind when I should have hired for that year. Yeah, because it's even going to put you behind because you've got to be there to do the walkthrough. This is the process. This is how mm-hmm. it looks. And they're it, it takes a solid month to train a guy. Yeah. Uh, and depending on his level of experience, maybe longer than that. Um, thankfully the, both of the guys I've hired have come to me with some level of experience in, in trades or in inspecting. So it saved me there, but man, it, it takes time because there are so many different houses. Yeah. So are you still doing home inspections or are you doing less home inspections and now are focusing more on the growth of the business? So I'm pretty much out of the field now. Uh, It is is very rare for me to do an inspection. I did one the other day um, just because it was um, some realtor friends of mine. They're Uh like, hey, we want you to do our inspection. I was like, all right. (laughs) All right. So I did, you know, um, and and I'll do that from time to time. And I just kind of pick up loose ends for the guys. You know, if I need to run a sewer scope to help somebody out or do whatever, I'll do that. And it's just there's a 100 things. And then when it comes to like uh, septic excavation i'm doing those because that's a little bit more right involved and i gotta drag the backhoe out there in a lot of cases and do that so so i'm doing some stuff but i'm really trying to focus on my social media stuff focus mm-hmm. on my back office stuff um and focusing on like the next level um i know that by if i do the growth that i want to do if and uh, do the business i want to do in the next year i'm gonna have to have office staff full-time yeah and so I'm trying to set up the systems for that right now, gotcha. which is just not in my wheelhouse. So I'm yeah. trying to learn, you know, yeah. learning new things. So yeah, I might be able to help you out with some of that. Okay, uh, that, that's that's something I think I'm fairly good at. So yeah. we'll talk after the podcast, and and I'll awesome. help you out with some of that. Um, so it seems like you're really focusing on branding. Um, yeah. Where? Why did you come up with method? So I actually went through a uh, brand strategy process, mm-hmm. which. Um, if you've never been through one, I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a great process to take yourself through because I was always the, I'm always the matter of fact guy, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just like, well, wh- why do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. What's what's the heart of your business? Well, the heart of our business is to do a good job and make money. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, isn't that what businesses are? Well, yeah. yeah. Yes, but you've got to, to do all of that in a way that you can convey to your clients in, in a way that they understand, you know, yeah. what they're getting. So, um, it's creating a vision and a, and a purpose yeah. of like, why? And, and basically that, that process didn't teach me things I didn't know, but mm-hmm. what it did was make me focus for a month on who we are, what we do, why we do it. And how do we communicate that to people? So yeah. doing that was huge for me. Um, and really getting that nailed down. Is Just helpful. out of curiosity, the process that you went through was a story brand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect marketing process to go through. Yeah. They're one of the best as far as the psychology and the way they they do things. Mm-hmm. People should be building their websites based off of that methodology. Yeah. Uh, methodology. Yeah. Because um, a lot you, of people just have terrible websites and terrible marketing. Right. So. Um. By the way, you have to pay me every time you say method. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's nice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're gonna go back through the podcast later and i'm gonna put the bill together <laughs> i'm not giving you a copy of the recording <laughs> uh, so that's awesome so you're already thinking about big picture stuff i like yeah. that from the early on stages you knew you needed systems and processes set in place which is awesome because a lot of people don't get that mm-hmm. luckily like even john and i we learned that from an early stage in our businesses yep. that i think it's gonna help set us apart yeah, so. absolutely. And well, and that's what I learned from being in the construction business before. I was like, when I started this business, I knew that I'd made mistakes in the last one, and I was like, 
if I'm going to do this again, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make those same mistakes. Right, right. I've made other mistakes, but yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. But but you know, constantly you're constantly learning and evolving. Yeah, and and that's another thing we talk a lot about on this podcast. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail yeah. because as long as you're failing forward and you're learning from that failure, it's not a failure if you're right. learning from it. Absolutely, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, let's we'll dive into the next segment of the the podcast where we ask the final three. Yeah. Uh, unless John has any other questions you want to ask before we dive into that. No, I think we pretty well covered all the bases pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So the first question is: is what's the most recent book you've read, and what's one thing you've learned from it? So the most recent book is is the Ten X Mentor that I listened to um, on on audio. Uh, I would say the probably the biggest thing that I learned from that was just take more action, mm-hmm. take more action. And it, and it really, and, and, you know, Grant talks about this all the time and, and there are other very successful people that do as well. If the action you're taking isn't working, it's because you're not taking enough of it or, or a big enough one, not a big enough, it's putting you outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And, and, you know, Grant is coaching people who are like way, way mm-hmm. above where we are. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they're like, man, we've hit a plateau. We don't know why can't we get past this. He's like, you're not taking enough action. What? <laughs> you know, we're we're at the ten million dollar level. So, <laughs> yeah, take more action. Okay. So that's really. I mean, I've really thought a lot about this, and I'm like, okay, okay. You know, when you know what you're doing is right, do it. Go all Dude, out. Go, yeah. yeah. And and so that's, I think that's one of the biggest things that have impressed me and that I've learned. I wish that I would have taken more action from the very beginning. And I would say that to anybody, uh, advice that I could give anybody starting is like, go for it. Like, don't, if you know how to do the job, go for it. Right. Go for it. Because as long as you can execute, go big. Yeah. I like um, it. Yeah. Uh, Second question, um, what's one principle you strive to live your life by? Man, I think it's I think it's the uh, kind of a worn out one, but treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I'm always looking for that every day and everything I do is just like, and, and even building every little process of like how we do what we do, mm-hmm. it's like I think about having an inspector in my house. You know, um, I have, I have all this stuff that I've made the guys do that seems stupid, but it's silly stuff like, uh, carry a terry cloth towel with you in your pocket, in the pocket of your pants. If you get your hands wet, wipe it on the towel. It's not a hard thing to do, but I was just thinking about it one day and I'm like, I would be mad if somebody came in my house and was like drying their hands on my hand towel in my house. Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, you know, this is, so this is something I've got to take action on. Yeah. Like I've got to, I got to make sure the guys aren't doing that and it's stupid stuff like yeah. that, you know, but, but it all makes a difference. That's cool. You kind of got to sometimes put yourself in the customer's shoes. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the crazy thing is for us, we're in a home typically of a person that's not even our customer. And yeah, so right. that makes it, yeah. that's like an, another layer of difficulty. Yeah. So. It's, I had a, I have a real old guy that works for me, Kurt. He's probably sixties or so. He's not that old, but 60. And he told me one time, this is for like my construction crews. He's like, uh, he's like, don't let your guys, uh, do work that you wouldn't feel comfortable putting your mom, like letting your mom stay in. Mm. Like, and Mm -hmm. so I told my guys then that's, that's pretty, I mean, it's cheesy, but it's like, don't, don't cut the corners that you wouldn't feel safe putting your family in. That's right. Yeah. So I think that's something that goes right along with what you're saying. Right. Yep. Last question. Uh, what's the greatest piece of advice you've been given? Man, I think um, it's it's one that a mentor of mine told me years ago, um, and he's the guy that got me to start in this uh, in my construction business originally. He said the hardest thing you're going to learn to do in business is which customer to turn down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never forgotten that, and it has saved me sometimes we actually don't talk about that very often um business wise i actually just had this conversation with some of my mentors and we were going through our profit and loss and we're like what are the customers that are a pain in the butt the ones that are not paying on time more frequently 
and, and that are further out, you know, all this stuff, start looking at some of those demographics mm -hmm. and like the 80, 20 principle, mm -hmm. only 20% of who you have are producing 80% of the results. So why not cut some of those out? Yep. And, uh, I think it will help you scale a lot easier too. You know, problems run in groups typically, um, because people have, um, oh, I don't, people people act certain ways right typically you can identify an action and tie it to other actions right uh they, they call that profiling i guess yeah but we're not supposed to do that but um you know when you see people that are doing things and you're like mm, something doesn't seem right here the high probability is that that person is also going to cause x y and z problems for mm -hmm. you um you know it's it's that you know, and, and real estate agents have to learn this um, sometimes the hard way too, is they go out there and they've got that client that doesn't have a pre-approval. They want to see mm -hmm. 40 houses. Turns mm -hmm. out they can't buy a house. Yep. I mean, if if every new agent hasn't been through that one, then good for them. They've gotten Sorry, good training. Sorry, Mike Bowman, I've strung you along. <laughs> 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 I hope he listens to this. <laughs> Oh, so, funny. so yeah, I mean, you know, learning like, okay, what questions do I need to ask to solve problems yeah. for myself? Yeah. Jake, I want you to hit that 80, 21 again, like explain that again. Cause I think yeah. that that is something that resonates pretty good. Yeah. There's a principle and I can't remember what they call it. The, I feel like it starts with a P I can't remember what it's called, but it's the 80, 20 principle. And basically it's a law that you can see anywhere in life that usually 20% of something produces 80% of results or 80% of what you're doing is only is producing or 80% of what you're doing um, is giving you now I'm thinking of it backwards 20% of what, what you're you doing do yields 80% yeah, of your results right yeah. and then uh, a lot of times like uh, there's a reverse on that and I can't now I can't even think of it but I've seen it so for example um, there's a software I use for my pest control company it's not the best software. There's a software out there that is far superior. It's got more bells and whistles. It's got all the stuff that you can do. But I knew that I didn't want to go with that software because I only needed 20% of what that software can do because mm -hmm. it's going to produce 80% of the results that I need. And so you can see that throughout anything. Right. Um, so I so think... It, it's important to like look at stuff that you've got going on, including your own personal time, including mm -hmm. stuff with your business, including customers. Maybe it's even employees. Mm -hmm. Like even in your business, 20 percent of the people on your business are producing eighty percent of the results. Everybody else is. And then is that, not. and then yeah, that other eighty percent is waste. Is waste, which we can go into two second lean with that um, that we've talked about before on the podcast, but. Um, yeah, there's a lot of waste that you can cut out in a business and get more efficient and effective. <clears throat> Jake's Jake's so into two second lean, and I don't know how you pull your trucks. And you'll have to listen to one of our podcasts. Okay, but I don't know how you pull your trucks in the driveway. But if you if you back in and have your truck backed in, how much time does it? Yeah, save? so uh, oh, a mentor man, of mine, I'm, Hugh Carnahan, we've had him on. You've, I'm I a think, back end guy. So yeah. Hugh Carnahan, uh, you met him, I think, at the real estate meetup. He was there. Yes. Uh, he he's an advocate for two second lane and he is he's been a great mentor for me him and his business partner dane um i think advocates an understatement even yeah like he's like live he, live breathe and eats two seconds yeah yeah and okay. so he's his mind is very about efficiency and stuff and developing people and five minute conversation i had with him he said hey are you pulling your trucks up to people's houses or are you backing in i was like well we're, we're pulling up and he goes how many steps is that from your truck to the house? I was like, oh, it's probably about 15 yards. He's like, how many times do you do that in one at one house? I'm like, I don't know, maybe three or four times. He, and so anyways, we started going through this process in a five-minute conversation of quantifying how many working days that meant, how many hours I was paying my guys to do that. We found out it was like 40-some thousand dollars that we could be saving um, or making just by backing our trucks in. Yep. It's it's funny you said that, dude. And it's on such a micro level. I did the math too. Like after Jake was telling me about this, I did the math on like how much time does it take my guys to walk from a house that we're working on out to a trailer to get put a battery on the charger or take one off the charger instead of just having the chargers. So now we have a cart in the house that has the chargers on it. But yep. And dude, it, it added up to like an hour a day. Yeah. 
of just swapping tools? Uh, I read a study when I was in commercial construction about um, the frequency of porta potty placement on large construction projects and the amount of cost that you could save just by having more frequent placement. Yeah. Just because the walk to, to I think it's important because it's just like you were saying earlier, it's the small things that add up. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. if you start focusing on the micro, mm -hmm. it's good to have the macro, right? The big vision right. of what you want to conference yeah. uh, uh, accomplish. But if you start focusing on the micro and, and really start to quantify it, it's crazy how many permits. I mean, we've gone down to even like my office staff, like, uh, you know, sending an email or printing, printing something, right? Like how much are you moving the mouse? How much are you scrolling? How much you have to go to click print and then go, yes, I accept, and blah, 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 when you can oh go control P, enter. Mm -hmm. Like just getting that micro on stuff and quantifying it, it's, it's crazy. Control pre P is print? Yeah, control P is print. Look at this guy. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> he knew that. You, Come on. Did you, you knew that? <laughs> yeah. Well, heck, he's printing off, what, over a thousand documents a year. <laughs> See, Vince, you're not dumber than, yeah. you know, everybody in the room. <laughs> Dude, before I met Jake, before I met Jake, I couldn't even do, I couldn't even add two numbers on a spreadsheet. I couldn't even do a sum formula. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, man, if I didn't know how to do that, I'd be dead. Oh, dude, I was living I, in the rock age. Yeah. He's an old He's an old soul. Yeah. I figured it out, though. Yeah. All right. <laughs> YouTube. Well, Vince, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for sharing us about Method, your business, um, and telling us a little bit more about home inspections and, and scaling it. This has been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, yeah thank you. So. Thank you for listening to the Growth Circle Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, connect with Jake and John on Instagram at Jake Engledew and at John underscore the underscore builder. Until next time.